So welcome to Hammer Down, uh, the, the podcast aimed at attracting young, new, and recent uh, graduates into the supply chain space. I'm joined today by one of the most legendary characters in supply chain, uh, Mr. D Bart DeMont. Bart, thank you for joining me. Mike, thanks for having me on the call. And uh, I don't know how legendary I am, but I'm I'm working on it. You know, Bart, I, I, even just stalking you on LinkedIn, I, it's it's your career path is so super interesting. So if I've got this right, you started out in the finance world, kind of focused on M&A, et cetera. Is that right? Yeah, correct. I was kind of working for Ernst & Young and then on the finance side and then moved on to G Capital in merge and acquisitions. And that's really how I got into logistics, because at the time they were still investing in uh, asset based businesses in Europe. And that's how I got to be part of the team that created Pensco Logistics in Europe, which first was a non asset based company and then started buying logistics asset based companies. And before long, I started running operations. That's how I kind of got my baptism by fire in logistics in the 90s in Europe and um, fell in love with logistics, started applying technologies again in the 90s. It was kind of unheard of to start using things like TMSs and routing solutions for the asset-based fleet and telematics. Loved the technology part of it. And I thought logistics and technology combined, that's it, man. I was smitten for the rest of my life. So I, I assume if you're talking the 90s, you're either programming in Excel or on an AS400. Is that right? A lot of the time. Yeah, there, were, there was no cl cloud platforms, right? That wouldn't come by for like another 10, 15 years. So a lot of old systems, okay. but it was really starting to put a base of what is possible sometimes with these big clunky machines. Uh, obviously now, if we fast forward 30 years later, you look at all the technologies we now have, it's a little bit like, remember the technology they used to go to, uh, uh, to the moon in 1969, which is by the way, my birth year. That was my first passion. It was for the Apollo program, and then later on the space shuttle, and now it's trucking. But um, you know, you now have the same technology in the palm of your hand in a in a smartphone. That's how much technology has evolved. Okay. And so I met you when you were an analyst at Gartner, and you were there for almost eight years, right? Correct. Yeah, eight years. And before that, I was a client of Gartner for about ten years uh, during my tenure at PepsiCo. Uh, doing a lot of work with, with Gartner as well as other analyst companies when we were looking at either upgrading existing technologies or looking at new technologies to apply to all the PepsiCo business units. Got it. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, there's a, um, I guess I would call him a journalist, but he's also a, an author. A guy named Greg Easterbrook has this theory out there that making predictions is great. Making predictions that are 10 years away is even better because it's long enough of, uh, from now that People won't remember what you said, but 10 years mm -hmm. feels close. Um, now, I've seen a lot of the reports you've written and been dead on with. What If I look back at your Gartner career, what are the predictions or, or things you saw coming that you're really proud of, that you're like, man, I nailed this one? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I never look at it that way, to be honest, Mike, because we were just following the market. We were really trying to understand what end users were looking for. Um, we were trying to get educated from all the vendors that, by the way, every vendor can do a briefing to Gartner. You don't have to be a client. And so by having that ability to talk to pretty much most of the vendors out there in the market, really trying to understand what technologies are out there and then really understanding how you marry those up. Where's the need? What's the value of technology? And where do we think the big value is coming from? 
Um, so from that perspective, you look at things like hype cycles or cool vendors. Um, in some cases, uh, these, these companies that look cool, and, and there's a difference between being a cool vendor and being a sustainable business. Not the same thing. I've seen so many companies that I thought were super cool. Um, they never made it. When I met my wife, she was working for a super cool company called Cosmo.com. I don't know if some of the audience is old enough to remember that. Same time as you had companies like Webvans who were creating models that would take another 20 years for Amazon or Instacart take over and, and being able to master that. They were really cool. They were really great. The problem was they weren't able to do it in a sustainable economic way. And unfortunately, these companies went through a lot of money and then uh, failed. So that's, I think, the other part is, is don't just look at innovation and what's important in technology from a point of view is, is that company financially viable? I mean, a lot of examples, BlackBerry, great company until they missed the boat and Apple took over, right? Um, so look at also the, the part of the innovation they're bringing to market. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff going on. I would say, Mike, right now, um, as you've probably seen as well, just at the recent FreightWaves F3 event, there are so many new companies in the space, new technology companies doing things in a different way, approaching it differently. There's still a lot of innovation that's happening, um, but you know, not everyone will be the next Amazon or the next Apple. That's just reality. Sure. But coming out of FreightWaves, because you mentioned it, who are... Not necessarily the tech companies you think are really great, but what what are the approaches? Who's doing something different that made you go, hey, that seems cool? Or maybe it's, you know, like a, a back to the future moment where you're like, I thought this one was cool before. I'm so excited to see it brought back from the dead. Yeah, I would say it's a combination of both, right? I think I said the same when I was on Dooner's uh, What the Truck. Uh, a lot of it, people are so consumed now because AI is in, in the news, right? And there's a lot of great capabilities that come out of that. But there's also a lot of companies, especially the ones that were at FreightWaves, the brokers, the 3PLs, the carriers that are looking at basic technologies, right? It's saying, hey, I got a system, but it's maybe 20 years old or 10 years old. You mentioned AS400, still a lot of companies that are using that technology. So a lot of it is go back to basics saying, how can I have a, a new technology, but that does my basic operations? So very, very valuable. So I think there's quite a few companies that can provide Things like a TMS, but instead of this big clunky machine that takes forever to implement and is very hard to use, now you have these TMSs that are a little bit like LinkedIn and Facebook. They're very intuitive, very easy to use, very easy to implement. You get immediate value and they're very connected and they are part of a larger ecosystem connected to all these other applications. So I think that's one part of it. And then I think there's those companies that are focusing on areas that maybe have never been looked at before, where we didn't have technologies. We see a lot more digital technologies in the yard, an area that I tried to push for when I was at PepsiCo, never made the, the strategic plan, and yet the yard is so important, and it's, it's where there's a lot of efficiency that can be gained, but also a lot of efficiency that can be lost if there's no technology out there. So a lot of vision and automation companies focusing on that. I think that's definitely a cool area. Uh, I was just came off the phone with a very young uh, founder that's focused on driver health and overall employee health at uh, asset-based companies because healthcare costs, especially for those self-insured companies, incredibly high. And he's looking at that and how you can improve the health of people and reduce insurance costs. So things that maybe we didn't look at before and maybe aren't always look at the coolest, but they're big problems that companies are trying to solve for. 
You weren't talking to Mark Monero, were you? I was. Awesome. He's gonna. He's he's lined up to be one of our next guests. <laughs> yeah, it was I, Mark. I love Mark. And, he's such a and good that's guy. a good example of, of of something a newer technology that maybe it took someone from outside of the industry to come up with that and say, "Hey, this is pretty important." Oh, totally understood. It's and it's. I, I tell people that we work in the biggest industry, the biggest small industry in the world, where everybody knows everybody. It's truly crazy to me. Like you know, you go to freight waves and there's 500 people who've known each other for 10 years. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, you keep running into the same people, right? They're the same. Their names are the same. They just work for different organizations. <laughs> very, very true. So Bart Postgartner, um, you've become a, an evangelist and an advisor working with, off the top of my head, I've got P44, Venture 53, um, Optum, Mojix, Intelligent Audit, Eagle, Farai, and then starting your own company, Regrello. Is that pretty accurate? No, it's not my own company. It's, it's, it's a company out there as well. It's a little bit different in the manufacturing space. I'm helping them on some things as well. So it's broadening a little bit my scope of the supply chain. Um, and then uh, the most recent one is Manhattan Associates, which, uh, which I'm helping with as well. So fairly broad across kind of the, the whole logistics spectrum with the, uh, maybe the exception of the one company manufacturing. And part of my goal is also it's kind of network effect because a lot of these companies are partners in the ecosystem. So I'm kind of that, that common glue between them. Uh, so I help a lot of these companies. And, and the other part is a lot of their customers and prospects are the same, right? So it's very synergetic to say I've got one company who has a customer, which is a prospect for the other, vice versa. So a lot of the work is really it's advising, but it's also a lot of it is, as you know, it's networking. It's not always what you know. Sometimes it's also who you know. And I think with Venture 53, that's another great point is with Venture 53, it's really a network of LPs that invested in the funds that are the who's who within the logistics industry, together with the people at Venture 53 that are people with 30, 40 years experience individually uh, within logistics that can really help these, these founders uh, advise them in becoming successful and in turn make Venture 53 successful, which in turn will allow us to create more funds and invest even more in technology. Just read an article that was published yesterday by McKinsey, who are forecasting in a large survey they did with end users that the uh, prioritization and the adoption of technology and investment in technology is only going to be higher in the future. So people might say, well, technology is cooling down and companies invest less. Um, it's really not true. People are going to do more investment in technology. Uh, there's a lot of P and VC money available as well. They're just a little bit more, I would say, want to be more educated on where they spend their money, uh, which maybe wasn't always the case. But there's still a lot of good times ahead for logistics and the logistics technology space. Awesome. But the reason why I started this podcast was kind of, or the, I guess, the the motivation for it, uh, it was twofold. I got to, to, to speak with the former chief, uh, chief supply chain officer at Starbucks. And I asked the silly question of how many countries have you been to, to taste coffee? And the number was in the fifties. And I thought that's really cool. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other component is like being at a use at the USC supply chain. So I met all these kids who were interested in supply chain, but really didn't know what they were getting into. Um, if I think about kind of your, your career, and if I ask you about like your experiences here, what would you say are kind of the top experiences you've had either working in supply chain or because you work in supply chain? So like, you know, the Starbucks guy says, I've tasted coffee in 50 countries. That's because he were, of the job he works in. You know, what, what are the coolest things you've been a part of? 
Yeah, I would say I could probably boil it down to three main things, right? And like I said, it wasn't my plan uh, from the start to be in supply chain, which I think quite a few of the older generation have. But once I got there, I knew this this is uh, right for me. But I'd say one of the things is supply chains have always been complex and they're only becoming more complex because supply chain have become a lot more global. Um, the world is a lot more real-time and disruptive. And that all makes supply chains even more complex. So if you're someone like myself that likes to deal with complex situations and try to help solve for that, it's the perfect area. You're, there's never a dull moment. There's never a way you can say, hey, you know what, Mike? We've, we've done it all. We've reached the summum. We've created everything we can. There's always other things, other opportunities to improve. That's one. I'd say secondly is the people. I don't think there's an industry like supply chain, and I would say a subset of that is logistics, where you have the people with the passion, uh, just great people. I love being around them. Um, at Freight Waves, we all hang together as a big family, even sometimes when you're a competitor, right? Or, or um, you're, you're maybe going in the same space, but everyone is kind of like family. And that's what I truly enjoy about it as well. And then I think that the third part is is kind of the changing nature that's maybe a little bit more recent, where logistics used to be kind of the ugly child in supply chain, or it was kind of the, the tail of the dog. I wouldn't even say the tail of the dog. We had a flea at the end of the tail of the dog. Well, guess what? Logistics is now wagging the dog. People understand the importance of logistics. And so I think there's a lot of great things that people can do when they come in the industry to drive change. And I would say none more so than these college graduates that have studied it, that can come in, that have a digital mindset, right? A technology first approach. They're really the people that are going to help drive this industry forward, uh, going to set us up for success for, you know, for the future, for the next few decades. And logistics is something you can't replace, right? Because anything that you have, like everything you have in your house, everything I have in my house, everything you see on the wall behind me, got there by a truck, whether it was the, the wood panel or the, the, the drywall or the guitars on my wall, everything got transported by logistics. So, um, yeah, I think it's been fascinating for me. And I would invite anyone that has a, an interest in it, join the logistics family, even if you have previous experiences. We have seen the last few years, a lot of people come outside of logistics to enter our industry and become very passionate about it. Sure. Bart, if you were to offer along those lines, sort of one tangible thing to study, right? Like we've talked about the ecosystems that are being built. We've talked about technology, you know, being stitched together, whether that's EDI, API, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You know, this being the perfect moment and that supply chain has tremendous visibility and a seat at the boardroom table. What's one thing that a, a newer, a soon-to-be grad should study that maybe they haven't considered in order to give themselves a leg up in the industry? Yeah, I think for, at least, and it comes from my own experience, right? It might be a little bit different for other people, but I would say what I really um, are still today on a daily basis, I'm able to kind of hang on to is if you can have operational experience as well, right? Because what you hear about theoretically how a supply chain should work or how a company works or what they should do and how they should do it, because everyone in, in college learns about APIs and artificial intelligence, machine learning, and blockchain, all that. And then they go to a company and they really understand that it's a manual process is driven by Excel spreadsheets. So try, if you can, to have get some uh, operational experience, whether that's already while you're studying 
Go work in a company. I've heard people that said, hey, while I was in college, I drove a forklift in a warehouse. And that's how I got my first interaction. Or I drove a truck or I worked in a dispatch office, something like that. Get some real operational experience that help you when you, for example, look at technology or look at work more from a uh, from an administrative or business process perspective to kind of be able to always have that background of why am I doing this and how does it really impact operations? Because as you know, technology, we don't want to do technology for the sake of technology. Technology is an enabler. It's a supportive capability that you have to run against a right operational process. So I would say that that would be my number one advice. Bart, when are we going to get a, a Bart and Mike jam session with a couple of guitars out here? That's the real question, man. Yeah, it could, it could always happen. Uh, you know, I haven't played in a while. Um, I'm still very passionate. I go to a lot of concerts still. Uh, I'm a big Eric Clapton fan, uh, which is the one you see a little bit on the right. You only see a sneak peek of it. It's Eric Clapton Blackie. I already got my tickets to go see Eric Clapton in London next year. So that's my number one guy. I always feel like when I see those guys, it's like, uh, you know, I really can't play. So I'll leave it up to those guys. And I try to focus on LogTech and learn continuously and be the best. So um, it's quite a different world. But yet, um, you know, I, I share the same passion I have for music, same passion I have for food and wine. And I try to relate that same passion uh, in the logistics technology space. Bart, where can people find you? They can find me either through my website, bartamong.com. Most of my thought leadership you will see on a different website. It's better supply chains with an S plural dot com. And then you will find me every week on Friday where I also contribute to FreightWaves. So if you're a FreightWaves follower, which I think most of us are, Fridays is where you see my, um, my contributions come out, you know, kind of widely varied, but I'll, you'll see a lot of these pieces be very passionate about the industry uh, with, with really good feedback and, and really good, I would say, opportunities showing that, you know, we are worthwhile investing in because there's also a lot of dark sides, right? If you see some of the news, you would think logistics, it's all bad or, or don't go work for a tech company because they're all going to fail. I wouldn't say there's anything further from the truth, but just like in any industry, some companies are going to be successful. Some companies are going to fail. That's normal in business. Perfect. Bart, thank you so much for joining Hammer Down. Uh, to everybody who listened or viewed the episode, please, you know, give us a rating on Apple iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you happen to get your podcast. Bart, thank you so much for your time, sir. Mike, thanks for having me and hope to see you again soon.